Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Good morning. So good to see you, and uh, I know guest speakers always say that, don't they? They're always glad to be wherever they're at. I love being here. Can I love being here? We have, as Steve very kindly said, journeyed as friends with you for a long time. We love being here. Part of the reason for that is whenever we come here, we don't only get to give, but we feel refreshed in our own hearts and lives. The Apostle Paul wrote about friends of his that refreshed him, and Paul and Angie and their family, they do that for us. The moment we connect, it's just like, we haven't seen each other for a year, and Steve, he's got even less hair than he had last time I saw him, but the moment we connect, we're just together as friends again. So thank you for your kind welcome. Greetings to you in Colchester, in Bury St. Edmunds. If you're watching online, And if you're watching in prison, please know uh, those who are uh, in the prisons at the moment that not only does this broadcast come to you, but it comes with a heart. People are praying for you here in your situation. And please, please know that. Uh, There are books available in this venue if you would like them. Um, This, people often ask out of the books that I've written, what's my personal favorite? Uh, I don't go back and read them myself, I've already read them, but um, Faith in the Fog is probably my personal favorite. It talks about a journey of of faith through some depression that I experienced, and it's pretty honest stuff. And then also there's some daily Bible reading notes, Life with Lucas, these come out once a quarter. And um, what date is it today? Anybody know what date it is? It's the 26th, and so we have a Sunday the 26th special sale on our books. (laughs) It's half-price Christian book day. I just made that up. And and so if you go out and see the books here in this venue, uh, most of them are half-price or less. Everything's going up, so we thought, why don't we cut it all down, because we'd like you to um, get those books. So fake news, this... This series that we're in right now, I want to say right at the start that I believe that the issues that this series is dealing with, they are absolutely critical at this time. And a couple of weeks ago, Elspeth spoke to us. She talked about how truth exists. We need to be reminded about that. She said that not only have we suffered a pandemic in the last couple of years, but an infodemic as well. There's been a lot of confusion, but she reminded us that in the incarnation, Jesus has come. God with meat on was the phrase that she used. And reality has been defined, but thank God Jesus is full of grace and truth. And then last weekend, Daniel Rolf uh, spoke to us from John chapter 1. Truth has been revealed. He took us from Genesis to the book of John, the one who breathes life into us, the light in our darkness. And and this weekend, the title for the message is Truth Sets Us Free. Now, I'm going to read a few verses from John chapter 4, and I'm reading from a paraphrase. I'm reading from the message, and uh, uh, I'm doing this a little nervously because I got into trouble recently. I preached, actually a couple of years ago during the pandemic, I preached on video for a church 
in London, and I quoted, I didn't read the message, I quoted from the message, and I got an email um, from a really friendly bloke. He, <laughs> he, uh, he said, uh, I noticed that you quoted from the message, and he said, you're obviously not a Christian. And he said, from the looks of you, you're not getting any younger. So you might want to repent pretty quick. You're sincerely in Christ. So I read this with some nervousness. John chapter 4. Jesus came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. And then Jesus talks to her about living water. The person who has this will never thirst again. He uses the water as a picture, an analogy of the life he wants us to experience. And then the woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. I won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshipped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? And then Jesus has some teaching for her about worshipping God in spirit and in truth. And then this. It's who you are. And the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. It's a story I may have told you before. I've been coming here for 100 years. But I remember um, one time years ago back, um, I was on a, a plane flight from, um, from America to England. And I was, uh, Kay was not with me. I was sitting next to this lady on the plane. And you know, you, you try and find out whether they want to chat or not. And, um, and it seemed like she did. And... And uh, I introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Jeff. And she told me her name. I said, what do you do for a living? And she said, well, I'm a clinical psychotherapist based in San Francisco. And I said, oh, that's nice. Um, I said, what's your area of special interest in your practice? And she said, well, I particularly like to help Christians to get out of Christianity. <laughs> I said, oh, right, right. She said, what do you do, Jeff? <laughs> so I said, well, I'm a plumber. Um, I said, well, um, I particularly like people to get into Christianity. And she gave, me that, she gave me that look, you know, that bless your heart, patronizing look. She said, oh, bless you. She said, you don't believe all that stuff, do you? I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's an absolute statement. Nobody believes in absolute statements anymore. And I said, are you sure? Because she just made an absolute. 
So I decided to test this. So I said, well, you know, I'm in an airplane. We're in an airplane. That's an absolute statement. Maybe we're not in an airplane. Maybe we're 36,000 feet up in a boat. <laughs> and she said, you may be right. Ooh. So I thought, I'll push it a bit more because I'm like that. I said, well, maybe we're not in a boat. Maybe we are 36,000 feet up in the air in a large Jaffa orange. And she said, you made me right. And I didn't say it because it would have been rude, but I felt like saying, bless your heart, honey, you need to make an appointment to see yourself. This is really very, very worrying. You see... Madness sometimes dresses itself in the garb of sophistication. And one word to describe humanity, and I'm not talking about the people out there, I'm talking about us, is lost. Without Christ, we are lost. And more than ever, our culture has lost the point. We are slowly sinking into a quagmire, the quicksands of postmodern Relativist pluralism. What's all that about? There's no core story. Truth is relative, as Elspeth said, subjective, whatever our truth is. More about that in a moment. And the result of that is carnage. T.S. Eliot's poem, which I was reading this morning, The Wasteland, which fueled all kinds of despair in post-World War I Europe. We're living in this crazy place. Have you noticed everyone's saying, I need to tell you my truth. My truth. Let, let me tell you my truth. Because we look so similar, my truth is that I believe that I am Tom Cruise's long-lost twin brother. <laughs> Thank you for your support. It's my truth. I'll defend it until I die. You see, there's no such thing as my truth or your truth. There's truth. There's truth. It's either true or it is not. And in this story, Jesus has this meeting with this woman, and she has an encounter with the truth personified and the truth revealed. And she finds out the truth about life and the truth about worship and the truth about herself and the truth about Jesus, all in this meeting. The truth, brothers and sisters, friends, is vital. Harriet Harman, chairing the Commons Privileges Committee this last week regarding Boris and Partygate, she said, and I'm paraphrasing, without truth, democracy can't function. I suggest without truth, culture can't function healthily. And without truth, we can't function in the way that we live. I keep hearing people say, I need to be the best version of myself. But without the boundaries of truth, that will only lead to chaos. So what do we learn? as we look deeper at this story. Well, first of all this, truth confronts. Truth confronts. Let's be open. Look at the way this conversation turns. Jesus says, you've had five husbands. The man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Wow. That's kind of blunt. They'd only just met. Elspeth used this phrase. She said, God's word reads us. I love that. And that's what's going on 
here. Jesus is reading this woman, and it's confrontational. Someone once said, the truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable. What does that mean? It means that there's a potential awkwardness and discomfort and resistance when we first hear the truth about ourselves. I want to just be really open because I just feel like I'm among friends when I hang around here. The last few years has been particularly difficult for people who stand behind these things and stand on platforms because you can't win. And if you say this, and we're looking back to the the pandemic days, if you say this about the pandemic, you're in trouble with these people. If you say this, you're in trouble with them. There are controversial subjects that are dealt with in the Bible about sexuality, about marriage and divorce. There are difficult issues. And I want to tell you, as someone who preaches week after week, sometimes I have to wrestle with fear because I know that whatever I say, I'm going to upset somebody. But the commission for preachers and teachers is not to tickle the ears of their listeners. Because sometimes here's what we say. We say, preach it, preach it. But what we mean is, preach my angle on that. And I want to ask you as C3 to say to your leaders and those who teach and preach, give us the truth even if it makes us mad, even if it conflicts with our politics, our view. Speak the truth to us because sometimes we can just get offended and I've, I'm sure you've met them I've met Christians who go to church to get offended <laughs> they're offended if they're not offended and the disciples were offended at Jesus on hearing this many of his disciples said this is a hard teaching who can accept it and Jesus asked them does this offend you let's be open why is it that if you go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, the first thing will be the introduction? Hi, my name is Jeff, and I'm an alcoholic. Don't take that quote out of context, please. <laughs> What's going on there? You say, isn't that surrendering to a struggle. No, it's an affirmation of a reality. And we can't say anything else unless we say, this is the truth about me. Truth confronts, let's be open. Secondly, distraction is everywhere. Let's be focused. This woman was confronted. And, and it's really interesting. He's, Jesus is saying, the guy you're with now, he's not your husband. And she says, oh, I see that you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Let's talk about worship. What? Jesus has just zeroed in on her, and she wants to have a theological debate about worship. And Jesus responds to that because he's unendingly kind. But she's trying to dodge the bullet. I think we need to understand the times that we live in. Someone might ask, is there an agenda out there? Well, I don't want to get into any conspiracy theories. We don't need to. But we do know that there is a spirit of the age. And we also know that from the beginning, Satan has been the father of lies. So there is an agenda. In 1984, George Orwell, excuse me, George Orwell wrote 1984, that book I did for GCSEs back in 1830. 
And I also had to read Huxley's Brave New World. Orwell got it wrong. Huxley got it right. Just think about the information age that we live in. We are downloading gigabytes of garbage and irrelevance. I got on Facebook this morning because I like to see what everyone's had for breakfast. <laughs> but there's so much irrelevance. Orwell said books would be banned. Huxley said there'd be no reason to ban a book. Orwell said we would be deprived of information. Huxley said way before the internet, there'd be information overload. Orwell said truth would be concealed. Huxley said truth would be drowned in irrelevance. Orwell said we'd be a captive culture, and Huxley said we'd be a trivial culture, where you can tune in to daytime TV and watch people clean houses. <laughs> and I want to call us to therefore be people who understand the times and not be distracted and be people of the Bible. And I'm not just talking about reading the Bible, I'm talking about understanding the Bible, understanding its context, wrestling with it. The sermon should not end the search, it should activate the search. And sometimes I hear people, they say, well, I just believe what the Bible says. And I'm like, okay. So anybody who's wearing clothes made of two different threads, you need to come forward and repent, according to Leviticus 19. And if you like football the game of the Lord, then according to Leviticus 7, excuse me, 11 verse 7, you cannot touch the skin of a dead pig, and so if you play with a leather football, that's sinful. You say, oh, that's Old Testament, Jeff, don't be silly. But then, of course, there's 1 Corinthians 11, where it says that women should worship with their heads covered, and I'm not seeing many hats here today, people. Now, let me be absolutely clear, because we don't want a revival of hat-wearing, Theologically and biblically, I understand why that is not applicable. I haven't got time to get into that. What I am saying is, if we just lift Scripture out of context and don't struggle with it, we weaponize the Bible. In the Reformation, when the Bible was put into the hands of the everyday people, John Calvin and Martin Luther insisted that people went through their catechisms in order to understand the Bible. They didn't just place the Bible in people's hands, but they realized they needed help to wrestle with Scripture and understand its context. And I, I love these words. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That, that word meditate, it's the word hagar. And it's the noise that a dog makes, maybe a Jewish dog, because it's a Hebrew word, the noise that a dog makes when it's chewing on a bone. That's my dog impersonation right there. Been practicing that all week. Kay's been worried. It's not that we just scan the Bible. <clears throat> oh, I've got to read three chapters today. Here we go. On your marks, get set, go. <laughs> done it, hallelujah, but we, we worry the bone of scripture, we chew on it, we wrestle with it, 
We will not survive in this truthless culture if we are not people deep in God's word. Thank you. You can come with me everywhere I go. <laughs> Thirdly, truth unapplied leads to self-deception. Let's be doers. Jesus, in this story, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. When we understand the truth but we don't apply it, we don't stand on level ground. We stand on an incline. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You see, something happens when the truth comes to us, but we just ignore it. Another way of putting it is that our hearts harden. Dostoevsky said, lying to ourselves is more deeply ingrained than lying to others. We need to apply the truth. And as we apply the truth, we live the kind of lives that Jesus wants us to live. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10, 10. Can I just make a comment about this, though? As a brand new Christian, I heard a preacher who, you know, one of those bursting a blood vessel preachers. And he said, he, he quoted actually a, a fairly well-known phrase. He said, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, God help me. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Jesus is not totally Lord of my life. And he's not Lord of yours. And if you come up to me afterwards when you fulfill the will of God in your life by buying a book, <laughs> and you say to me, he's totally Lord of my life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend a counselor. Because the truth is, in every passing moment, with every thought that we have, sin, sadly, crouches at the door. I think we are called not to get into some frantic, are you really Lord of everything, but rather consciously endeavor to make him Lord of every part of our lives and ask the Holy Spirit to show us where that's not happening. That's the call. But to just say, he's Lord of all, well, I think maybe you're a bit smug, so he's not Lord of that area. Truth unapplied leads to self-deception. Well, the last thing is this, and that is truth is incarnate with Jesus, or in Jesus. Let's walk close with him. The Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Have you noticed how many people are talking about the universe these days? The universe is calling my name. That might be a good place to start. At least there's a sense there that there's something beyond ourselves. But the universe doesn't make any moral demands. The universe doesn't call you to lay your life down for a cause. The universe doesn't demand that you serve or pray or give. It's a perfect, nebulous piece of spirituality. And Jesus drives a truck through it. And so does John. We heard about it last week from Daniel. The logos was a general term. Quite a complex term for the universe. And John saying, no, no, the Logos, that's Jesus. So let's walk close with him. When Jesus called his disciples, he was a rabbi. And it said that they would end the day with the dust of their 
rabbi's sandals all over them because they walked so close. They wanted to imitate their rabbi. Some people think that's why Peter tried to walk on water. Rabbi's doing it, I better do it. Actually, this week I discovered one ancient disciple of a Jewish rabbi, Joshua ben Hananiah, his disciples would watch him going to the toilet because they wanted to emulate him in everything. That's a bridge too far. <laughs> but let's walk with Jesus closely. I've been asking God recently, why don't you shout a bit louder to me? Why don't you send me an email or something? Why don't you talk a bit more clearly? And the sense I had in my heart is that God was saying to me, I like to whisper because when you whisper, you have to come close. And let's respond to his love. In America, people often argue about whether the Ten Commandments should be inscribed outside courthouses. I don't think they should. Why? Because when you just lift the Ten Commandments out of their context, those laws were not just set in stone, they were set in story. And God said, I've delivered you, therefore, live like this. The therefore matters, Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. So as we take a moment now to pray, and reflect I'd like to invite you and I'm going to do this this week I'd like to invite us to take some time this week and go for a drink with Jesus that's what this woman did why not make yourself a cup of tea why not go to the coffee shop just you and Jesus and uh, get yourself a coffee or whatever. And just say, Jesus, what would you like to talk with me about? I, I want to open myself to you. That's, and you might sit there and hear absolutely nothing. I've got no guarantees. She drank some water and met truth may we do the same Father thank you for your loving care for us thank you that in the quicksands of culture that we today have the privilege of by faith standing on truth absolute truth we affirm that you are the Christ the Son of the living God. As we worship and this week as we set time aside to be with you, reveal grace and truth to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. 
Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.